men of many nations in the background. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. We have a liftoff. What's up, Doom Nation? Welcome back. You are listening to the Two Doom Men podcast. And as always, it's your host, Skaggs and the Captain. And we have two very special guests today. Skaggs, you want to introduce them? Yes, or, sir. Mike, do you want to introduce the mics? The mics, yes. <laughs> the mics on the mics, yes. So good to have you back, Captain. The first uh, solo yeah. episode last time. That was interesting. But we're joined today by the Fundamental Opposites podcast, Mike and Mike. Um, at least a Twitter account that I found really interesting, and we started kind of interacting there. So wanted to have mm-hmm. you guys on and pick your brain. And I thought, honestly, what better time to do it after the midterm election so we could kind of break down that and talk about it so thank you guys for joining us why don't we actually start with let's do what the unfit statesman does plug your show first tell everybody where you can be found right at the very beginning before everybody turns out in the next five minutes (laughs) yeah right (laughs) um yeah so fundamental opposites podcast um it is myself and mike we do um mostly just political theory um or religion discussion so um format wise we usually either will grab a chapter or um just a, let's say a, a short article um and go through it honestly like we try to do line by line read through everything and just discuss um for both of us what are our perspectives uh, on it so myself anarcho capitalist i i kind of loose on that um but i tend generally tend to say it for short form accuracy um and then uh, my buddy here is, um, let's say, in a lot of ways, my polar opposite, hence the name. Um, and so we well, can be found on short Twitter. form. Yeah, I would say pro-life Democrat, but we were talking a little bit before the show. How not even a little asterisk there, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we disagree on stuff. That's the whole point of the podcast yeah. is we're going to disagree on things. So. Uh, it's funny because we started this podcast as a Trump supporter and a Bernie bro disagreeing on stuff and everything's changed over the past yes. three years. That's why I found your guys show so interesting because the concept is kind of somewhat similar to similar, our yeah. original concept, you know, mm-hmm. three years ago now. Obviously, things have changed. I now find myself also kind of being an anarcho capitalist coming from a Bernie bro, which is almost exact opposite. Kinda, um, yeah, but the past couple of years changed my perspective on things covid the whole covid regime definitely and getting into like, like libertarian ideology and theory and books and things like that changed me mm-hmm. um so that's why i found your guys um show very interesting and then we started interacting on twitter and things like that and you guys have po- you know post a lot of good twi- good takes we've interacted on there before so you know before so it was a good time to have you guys on who runs the the twitter account i think it's that's 100 percent right yeah so that makes sense because we probably vibe in general because we have similar (laughs) similar ideas both being and caps yep yep and i try to i make sure in the account that i call that out Mm because um the views are a little spicy um i think for uh my co-hosts um (laughs) let's say his audience uh generally but um yeah it's it's oh that's uh fundies podcast on twitter 
Um, and I think it's the same thing on Instagram. I'll be honest. I don't use Instagram really. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get up to using it. Um, I'm, we currently only do audio, um, the audio podcast, but I'm going to start adding some shows in there. So t- Instagram will have stuff coming. Very good. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty decent tool until they start shadow banning you. So but you yeah. guys might, you know, all you gotta do is tell, you know, Mike's just got to toe the line a little bit and you should be <laughs> fucking safe as can be. Yeah. I'm not Maybe you should try that. that. Just see how it works. Yeah. Let, let, yeah, but- let Mike uh, run the, the Instagram <laughs> account. Yeah, just post pro Biden stuff. See how that goes. But I, I kind of, I kind of feel you on that too. Like I kind of uh, branched off from originally using the podcast Twitter account to just using my own under my own name because I always thought that I'm like, well, Chris and I don't always have the same opinion. If I'm there posting under the show's thing, then people are going to think this is what the show's about. I'd rather just use my own name and like this is my opinion. If you like it, you do. If you don't, I don't give a shit. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of yeah. similar. Yeah, and and pretty soon here, um, I'll be spinning up uh, some solo some solo content, and um, there's another anarchist that um, him and I wanted to try to do some stuff. So the account's going to get shifted a little bit, probably to being an aggregate of a few different shows. Um, but that's right now it's it's just the two of us, uh, and that show's going to continue because that's it's fun and i don't I, I don't even give a shit if people don't listen it's just fun <laughs> yeah i agree definitely we'll, yeah. we'll call that out like yeah so for uh, all seven of you listening right now and <laughs> yeah <laughs> as we say to the tens and the tens of people listening yeah mm-hmm. you gotta have fun. Right, having yeah. fun is the most important part of doing a podcast honestly that um, it is like, yeah again a rant and rave and we we do so much different stuff because you guys got to feel it too you get fatigue from constantly talking about politics and just there is no good news so we have shows like the halloween special and the christmas show mm-hmm. what the the fucked up fridays the the funko episodes <laughs> yeah the podcast we call it so you, we change it up we do reviews sometimes you know just gotta mm-hmm. you know you can't just stay on track for politics continuously drive you nuts yeah, man. So so again, like our original concept was essentially I was a Bernie bro, kind of more on the progressive Democrat side. Chris was <clears> the <throat> conservative Trump person. Um, and like I said, my perspective has definitely changed over the years. So what made you guys decide to start a podcast and how has your perspectives changed at all, if any, uh, you know, since you started? And let's actually start here. Yeah. What year did you start the podcast in? Uh, last year, actually, it's been... Okay. I don't know. I don't know, Mike, if you remember, I think eh, we started recording last October. Okay. Um, yeah. I was going to say it's either slightly more than a year or slightly less than a year. I can't remember for sure. So I, think I, I think I started putting the podcast episodes up in November and we did a few pre-records. Okay. That was how we, how we staged it. Um, so the idea, um, I kind of came up with the idea when I was, um, first getting into sort of the social media because i've always i've not been perpetually online uh this is a new thing uh for me and so um as i was starting to get more kind of <laughs> into uh, let's say that at least the libertarian menarchist sort of thing um i was starting to join twitter and then had kind of i'd had a twitter account that i used for about six months and i noticed that um it seemed like a lot of the content out there was sort of just like libertarian circle jerking. And I didn't <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it was like, okay, I'd rather really have conversations with 
people that I enjoy disagreeing with. Um, and so Mike and I actually know each other from college, uh, what, a decade ago now? Something um, like that, yeah. Yeah. And so we used to, we were actually in the same fraternity, used to um, just basically disagree about shit all the time um, and would just sit and talk about it. And so when I was thinking of the podcast, the first thing I was I did was like, all right, I got to shoot Mike a text and give him a call. Um, say, Hey, I want to do this. This is what the, this is what the format's going to be. We'll, we'll come up with something. Um, and that was sort of how it just spawned. It was kind of a brain fart on my end. And I was like, all right, how much is Podbean account? All right, let's do it. <laughs> it is. It's pretty crazy to see the similarities because Skaggs and I are going 16 years strong. <laughs> he's yeah. known me longer than he's known his wife. Um, <laughs> and funny enough, our other friends, had a podcast and we kind of had like this one large group and just we got into this argument about uh universal health care and just everybody was like that's the show that's the show right there <laughs> and it just grew from there because we we disagreed but we were friends for so long that like you know back then three years ago in the media or whenever trump you know from the second trump announced his uh you know he's going to run for president you had to disown all of your Republican friends. You had to disown all your Democrat friends. And the media was such a driving force in that, that we were like, no, no, you don't. We can still yeah. disagree and agree and move forward and be friends. And I think through that, and you guys might've seen it as well. Not that we've solved a lot of problems, but like problem solving has like come about where you see from two different points of view, what's really wrong with it all, you know? And with that, Doom Nation, we'll be right back after a few messages. What's up, everyone? It's the Two Doom Men, and we're here to tell you about a partner of ours, the Patriot Cigar Company. The Patriot Cigar Company's story started with the idea of incorporating the love of cigars with the love for freedom and America. There is no better way to celebrate our love for our country and freedoms we cherish than smoking a premium cigar. After months of trying out different blends and working with master blenders, they created the Hellfire TNT Sidewinder, Moab, and Mark 48, which we have right here. Each cigar is made with premium tobacco, aged a minimum of three years in Nicaragua. You know, this is a true story. I had really fallen off smoking cigars for a while, and I just couldn't find anything that I enjoyed or wanted to sit through until I was introduced to the Patriot Cigar Company, and these are honestly some of the best cigars I've smoked in a long time. And the best part about it is you could go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use our promo code doomed to get 15 percent off your order so if you're ready to enjoy a nice cigar head on over to their website by using the link in our episode description below well there's also been a lot of times where we both agree for very different reasons like we can come to the same conclusion and just be like mm -hmm. huh yeah i never would have never would have figured that or another one that's, uh, I think, pretty common is being able to actually explore the other person's side because there's no yelling involved. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, I don't grant your first three premises at all. But if I did, everything else that follows totally lines up. So it's like, I can see why you think that. I just disagree way here at the beginning. And then, you know, it'll, it'll flip mm -hmm. like, yeah, well, if I granted your first few premises and it goes off this direction, of course, I'd, I'd be with you on that. So that, that happens actually quite a lot. Um, and it's just been really, 
really cool to be like, oh yeah, I actually can have these disagreeing conversations more. Yep. Yeah. If you want an example of that, go listen to the like three Sterner episodes that we did. Okay. That was just a constant. It was a constant barrage of. Okay, I see where he's coming from. Um, he's wrong, but <laughs> if I grant his premise, <laughs> I, th- I think see, the, the exercise of doing a podcast or a long form conversation, I mean, is literally the complete opposite of how we most of the time communicate on text, especially mm-hmm. or on Twitter yep. or on Facebook or whatever. Literally the complete opposite. Because you know, 240 you know, characters. If if you if you were just to use me for an example and you looked at my Twitter, you probably think I'm like an angry person that's always looking to argue with people i'm the complete opposite and if you come on here with me it's a good time we're having a beer we're like hashing things out and and part of the reason why my own perspective changed was by actually listening to chris see what he had to think about things and you know and be like ah you know what we don't really disagree as much as we originally thought we did Mm -hmm. we only figured that out by having 150 something hour long plus conversations (laughs) over the course Mm -hmm. of time and we still don't agree on everything I don't think nope. Chris is an anarchist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more. Um, I mean, but, there's a lot of libertarian in, in me now. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that that was a big eye opening, you know, and, and it started off with me with the conspiracies and, you know, you didn't buy them all, but then things just weren't adding up. And then you kind of saw you saw behind the curtain of the corruption and, you know, a few things. This doesn't add up. That can't be a coincidence. You learn a little bit. And then you brought upon libertarianism and I got an education in that from several very well. I mean, Scott Horton, come on. You know what I mean? And uh, it just changes your perspective. And I think this is such a better form to disagree on because you go on Twitter and it's just like you say something and they're like, oh, look at this cis white male. He must be a Christian. You know what I mean? Like and like that's the end. Like, how are you disagreeing with me because of that? You know what I mean? Like, give me sustenance talk to me let's so talk. many like, so many people are such binary thinkers on twitter um it's interesting being like a libertarian or an anarchist and jumping into a debate or a conversation and people just thinking you're a trump person <clears throat> or something yeah. like that oh yeah and then if you mention the word anarchy or libertarianism like their brains break they don't know what to do or say or it's just bizarre. I'm sure you've so had to Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Of two things. One is a friend of mine said, if you wanted to design the worst possible platform for political discussion, how <laughs> would it be different from Facebook or Twitter? Um, <laughs> and then the second one was a joke. I think Christopher Hitchens told this, uh, that some guys in Ireland and uh, he, he gets mugged and the guy asks, are you Catholic or Protestant? And he's like, well, well actually I'm, I'm atheist. And, uh, so, so neither. And, and so the, the mugger pauses and goes, well, are you, you're a Catholic atheist or a Protestant atheist? <laughs> so it's like that. Yeah, kind of is. So uh, Mike, Democrat, Mike, I guess we'll call you. I don't know how. Can I, can I use Mike? <laughs> Mike a with the Mike asterisk. G? How about that? Yeah, sure. Asterisk yeah, Mike, Mike yeah. A is fine. All right, Mike A. So how like you're saying things have changed for you. Where was the turn that things changed like? Were you still toeing the line two, three years ago? Were you, you know, did you really think Biden was going to save the world? I, I, I mean, I didn't. Like I'm not Biden. making fun of Biden. Is, no, it's not, I don't like Biden as a vice president. So, like, I've, I, di- I didn't like that he got the nomination. I'll, I'll start with that. Um, let's see. So, what was the first part of your question? Because I totally missed it. Where, in what way have things changed? Yeah. Where, where did things start changing for you? 
So I think that actually the, the biggest one was we a quiz that other Mike sent me of um, different political axes. So there are six different ones. And because most of our political discussion has one axis that's like, you know, a bunch of ones merged together. And the, I think the big breakthrough was how this quiz defined progressive, which, you know, other people might have different definitions, but it was basically on a, the, you know, LGBT more on the, the sexual side of things. And then the other end of the spectrum being, uh, I think what they called traditional, you know, I can't remember the terms, but I was like, oh, that's interesting that that's a different line. And then I realized as I was getting more politically involved also, so I've testified on a number of bills in the Colorado uh, legislature and realizing how much the Democratic Party is currently like the progressive side of things is the main the main issue. It's not as much on the economic or um issues I cared about more. So like, okay, social safety net for the poor uh, would have been one of my bigger ones. That's not, we just, there's not a lot of bills about that, that had like the, the conversation has shifted. And then I realized, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. I didn't notice that. And then I think the other big breakthrough was realizing that it's, it's basically a moral crusade, but from people who don't think that they're on a moral crusade which is a lot harder. Like I am, I am morally absolutist. I know that. And so I know that there's also limits to what that means. Some of my opponents don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and my opponents, I mean, like people I've testified against in, um, in the, the house. So that was kind of what started it. Obviously these conversations, the podcast conversations really helped with that. So like, I'm still involved with Democrats for life of America, uh, which it's very much, pro-life Democrat. Like that's what we do. Um, but pro-life in this case being a very broad. So like when I testify in a disability bill, which I've, I've done a few times, like that fits within the whole life perspective. So hopefully that gives you a, a rough idea. I'm sure there's follow-up yeah. questions from there. Well, I know yeah. I kind of feel like basically the party that you got involved with started shifting away from you. Correct. Yeah. Which is a, a lot of yeah. people's lot issue of people with the party. Say, um, yeah. I, I think there's an interesting point in there. You know, you're, you're you know, uh, concerned with policy and issues. And I guess you could say I'd probably go on a limb and say you were like a Medicare for all uh, supporter or person, something like that. As an option, but not as like everyone has to. But yes, okay. Okay. I mean, like a, a big thing that Obamacare did was um, you couldn't get denied coverage because of pre-existing conditions. Like I need that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it also did other things poorly. And I, and I will fully acknowledge it. So I don't think at any point I was ever like, oh, let's give people a free pass. Another thing that other Mike and I have talked about, I was very critical of uh, most of the things the Bush administration did. And then when Obama started doing a lot of them, too, I was critical of him then. So it's like, sure. I, I can't just be like, oh, yeah, this is my guy and I should give him a free pass. Like, See, no, absolutely yes. not. That is so important because when Trump does something stupid. I've I've defended him sometimes, but I've been right in line with Skaggs before saying, no, he's dead wrong. We were talking today. Right now, the guy has nothing else to talk about other than the election was stolen. It's 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 I mean, it's getting mind numbing or his what I was asking about was his bizarre kind of like attacks, attacks on Ron yeah. DeSantis now. And I'm just like, why? I, 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 I got to ask, it. how does so based on the outcome of the elections today, um, my I, I mean, 
I don't know if I fully buy in on this, but um, I've seen at least Cernovich's take of mm-hmm. pretty much like this is it. Trump's dead. MAGA's dead. Um, I've seen yeah. the take. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious for your feelings on that because at least looking at some of the key races where Trump backed, like a MAGA backed um, a governor or, or, or representative, it didn't turn out very well for him. And the kind of from my perspective, what it's looking like is basically a Trump backing mobilizes the Democrats more than anything else at this point. Um, and to me, it's like regardless of, of Trump himself, it does seem to me at this point that having him involved is not a good move for Almost a net negative. It, it seems like it's getting pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the take. Yeah, you want me to go first, Scott? Or you want to go first? Uh, let me before I go lose ahead. the thought. Sure. I don't disagree with you. This definitely was a hit to the MAGA crowd, but I mean, just about any source you get your information from, and I'm not saying you have bad sources, is going to put the MAGA crowd and Trump in a negative light. It's all it's all they can do to do it. So I don't know if it's a negative, but. You also can't think he's going to be, you know, batting a thousand across the board no. either. So he does have to lose some places. I think he was posting on Truth Social about him going like 200 and like 15 or something like that. So there was, you know, he did win more back at, you know, more of the people he backed did win than lost. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, he had an interview where he said, uh, anyone that I endorsed that wins, it's because of me. And any of yeah, them who see. lost, it's not my fault. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's Trump classic. Thing. The idiots that, you know, just puts his foot in his mouth. That's yeah. the shit that I can't be bothered with. But uh, mm-hmm. I still believe there is a large MAGA base. Just, you know, then we got to start going through the weeds of is everything legitimate? Why is it? You know, Brazil can knock out an election in one day and America over here with early voting and all this stuff. We're still trying to figure it out. You know, we could we could we could nail Florida mm-hmm. in an hour, but Arizona and you know other states that have way less people. Uh, we really can't count them all for some reason. There, there's questions and I'm not going to go too deep into it, but 67 percent. Arizona is still at 67 percent. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's uh, bizarre. Yeah. Um, I, I think the whole narrative that's kind of uh, taking shape uh, and it's coming from people like Cernovich and like the Matt Walsh and the Rufos, like those sort of conservative commentators mm. or people. I think those people are squarely in DeSantis's camp. Um, and, and I think to an extent, like the MAGA America first movement has almost kind of outgrown Trump to an extent. Not that people don't still love him and that he's not still popular, but perhaps Ron DeSantis has almost shown almost like That's- a better version, a more nuanced less reactive take on things like when Ron DeSantis gives a speech about critical race theory or something like that. I mean, the guy who fucking understands what he's talking about, at least that's uh, when I that's watch a Trump fair assessment, right? When I watch Trump usually talk about one of these things, it's like I laugh because he's funny, but I get that he doesn't really fully understand the topic in like a on like a deeper level, perhaps. Yeah. And I don't think people are, you know, I don't think the MAG America first people are as dumb as they're made out to be. I think they're actually pretty smart most of the time. And some of them have seen that at the same time. I'm also weary of the anti-Trump derangement syndrome, right, where they want to spin a narrative now of that's it. It's over. You know, it's it's people on Twitter celebrating that the the left has won, but they're probably going to lose the House and the Senate is, you know, almost tied. It makes it just, you know, that's that's what brings me to the point of like, is the MAGA crowd still strong? 
possibly, but we're never going to hear or find out right. the actual no. size of it. And with that, Doom Nation, we'll be right back after a few messages. What's up, Doom Nation? It is Skaggs here, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Two Doom Men podcast. If you like political discussion, guns, beer, movie and TV reviews, smash that like button, subscribe to our channel, and share the show with your friends. That's the best way we can get around Big Tech's algorithm. You can also just go to linktree.com slash Men to find everywhere the show has a presence. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Skaggs89. Thank you, everyone, and let's get back to the show. Yeah, no, it's... I can't remember. I think it, I think Dave Smith was the one that that said it, but something to the effect of um, it speaks volumes uh, that the progressives, the Democrats are celebrating this as a, a blue win because the Republicans didn't win as much as they thought. Yeah. They would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Matt Walsh also tweeted that say, which I was telling Chris about before. He mm-hmm. was like, man, he's like the Democrats are pathetic. It's like they're yeah. celebrating a loss as a win, essentially. Um, they just didn't right. They they a win for them is the Republicans not winning as big as they thought they were yeah, going to winning 100 percent. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like you're celebrating a negative. In a I, I also and it always, ain't over yet. And it, it ain't no, over it's not over now. I also always question the red wave. You know, it was, <coughs> you know, there, there's questions to be had for the 2020 election. But uh, just, you know, I live in New York and. People are stupid as fuck over here. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It's hard to change, you know, people's opinions. And there's a lot of just uneducated people. There's a lot of people that don't read past the headlines. And that's and that's everywhere. So, you know, I I thought for a little bit Lee Zeldin was going to have a chance. But then, you know, yeah. And but, you know, New York shows up the way they do and they love picking a good loser. Yeah, I don't know how how where are you guys located? Roughly, you don't have to tell us your exact address, but so I'm in Michigan. I'm in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're both in um actually I wanted to ask Mike, uh, how how satisfied are you with the election? In general? Uh, Which uh, which Mike A. Yeah. Okay, go yeah, go for it. Go for it. I this is one of the ballots I hated the most of all of the ones I've done. I thought just like I mean, there were a number of seats that I didn't vote for a person because I disliked both of them on very like fundamental grounds. So mm-hmm. uh, as far as like the the ballot measures, one nice thing that Colorado does is they do send you a printout of all, like the full text of, mm-hmm. of the ballot measures. Here's the, the summary. Very nice ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I, I did not like this election. I'll just I'll just say that going into it. And yeah. yeah. I was going to say um, other outside of Amendment E, which was the property tax exemption for surviving spouses of slain veterans. The rest of them sucked, basically. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not good. Um, yeah, was that that today, we have one. overall? Oh, that was a, that was a Colorado one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that so, was a Colorado one. So there was already a property tax exemption for if your spouse was a disabled, disabled veteran, but not slain veteran. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, this this is a no brainer. Of course, I'm going to yeah. vote on that one. Yeah, I think there should be a property tax exemption for everyone and everything. Yeah, for property tax, <laughs> yeah. for owning <laughs> property. That would yeah. be nice. Yeah, no, Michigan was an absolute shit show. Um, but did you kind of expect that, though? <laughs> what did you expect out of it? Um, 
you know, before yesterday, I probably would have said it was a toss up. Um, you know, if you look at the reporting, <laughs> particularly um, so Dearborn, which is right southeast Michigan near Detroit, um, heavy Muslim population. Uh, they were in the news pretty recently because of, you know, the typical uh, shit in schools. Uh, you yeah, know, I saw those videos, right? Uh, it, yeah, the school board yeah. meetings, uh, parents going and, and they were heavily outspoken, like the, the you know, the Muslim community in those schools against yeah. like the, you know, this gender theory stuff going on in the schools. It, exactly. Um, and so I thought maybe we'd see some mobilization, but uh, Michigan, the, the GOP is rock just like New York. Well, the GOP fucked themselves this year because Michigan, we had two major propositions. And then, of course, the governor race, um, like the two big ones. So prop two here in Michigan, uh, basically extended mail in voting, um, more or less gets rid of voter ID requirements. Uh, You can only uh, elections can only be audited by election officials as appointed by the government no private companies can can come in and audit so <laughs> it basically got rid of a lot of election security protections and then prop 3 was pretty much an unabashed ban on abortion laws um now they say oh well medical doctors can make a decision based on medical but they included in the language um uh health including mental health more or less so basically if you say well it would affect my mental health negatively to have this kid then they can't say shit um so that was like the two big ones um so i myself and mike uh are both pro-life um so you know i think for to both of us that was like that mm. would have been a, a, a nasty one um you know a lot of people voted against it but more or less Whitmer ran on a platform of abortion. Um, and so did the Republican candidate Tudor Dixon and they mobilized the largest shift, like one of the largest shifts in young voter population that has happened in the state's history compared to the 2018 midterms, a 38% increase in 18 to 24 voter registration and a 55% increase in 18 to 19. So basically and, and if you look at Michigan is scary. <laughs> and, and if you look at the voter count for prop three, prop two, and the governorship, so the governorship 2.4 million. And then for the ballot measures for prop two, you had 2.6 million. And for prop three, <laughs> you had 2.4 million. So it's, I mean, it's basically did they vote Whitmer? Yes, then they voted prop two, prop three. Mm-hmm. So they Republicans shot themselves in the foot by making the election about abortion instead of making it about the shitty economy. Yeah. Um, so right. and it, which Michigan's is fucked, which is my fucking problem here in New York. Lee Zeldin was literally attacked on the campaign trail and then somebody was killed outside of his house. And Hochul stands there and goes, crime is made up in New York. It's not real. <laughs> And people are, okay, there's no crime. I just got pushed into a subway, you know, train, but uh, I'll go vote for her. I think I think the problem with New York ultimately was that people have become almost apathetic. Uh, You know, over the weekend, we were actually, you know, in the city. Uh, I was back in the Bronx and I was at my dad's house and I was sitting out on the front porch in the middle of the night. And it was interesting being back in the Bronx for the first time in a while. uh, (laughs) Things are pretty bad. Uh, And if you just sit out on a porch or on a stoop in the Bronx, you will hear it all night long. Uh, the sirens, the dirt bikes, gunshots, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin came home. I asked her about it. She's like, yeah, man. She's like, things have gotten really bad. Um, so it's there. But I think people, for whatever reason, have gotten apathetic in New York State in general. Uh, there's like 20 million uh, people in New York State. Um, I forget exactly how many registered voters, but only about 5 million people voted out of, I think, maybe like 14, 15 million registered Insane. voters. Insane. Even in, let's use AOC's uh, district, for example, where I'm originally from, AOC's district. <laughs> Um, there's a hundred thousand registered plus registered Republicans in that district in the Bronx and Queens. And, uh, I think 20,000 to 30,000 voted, uh, for Zeldin or, or for Tina Forte in that district and 70 something thousand, uh, Democrats voted for, or people just voted for AOC. So, I mean, you could theoretically make the case if all 100,000 plus Republicans showed up and voted for Tina Forte, who was the the uh, the opponent there. She would have won, right? She mm-hmm. she she would have beat AOC in that race. Mm-hmm. But people become apathetic, I guess. They think there's no chance, no hope in a place like New York to win. When I mean, there really was. Zeldin didn't lose by much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I just I hate that. I hate that there is the nihilism of people that yeah. they just there's no hope. Uh, there is the feeling in New York that if you're a Republican, your vote doesn't count. And I mean, if if only five million out of 15 million are going to show up your vote, I mean, how much does your vote really do really fucking count? There's eight million people in in Manhattan. Manhattan could decide the entire state. Then if you know, well, if only that's five million people, what happens in New York City, yeah. where it I essentially mean, decides the entire. And state. you're, you're never going to break Illinois the too. coastal elites. You know, they're they're never going to turn tides until, you know, it's, it's just it's just annoying. Them. It's a it's yeah. a low cost thing. That's what I was saying last week to go vote like it's you know 20 minutes. If it's once mm-hmm. in every two years, just even if it means nothing, even if things yep. rigged, even if they think it's a farce as an anarchist, I don't think democracy is great, but you just go and do it because it doesn't really cost you anything. <laughs> yeah. Like I got to pay mm-hmm. or, or anything to do it. So just give it a shot. So it's it, more by not going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you could say there is a cost. To it, uh, it's, it's that is just frustrating. Um, I think the, the, the Michigan election was really interesting. Um, I don't know, especially just with Whitmer's behavior during the uh, the COVID yeah. lockdown and regime. I mean, people just love their masters, I guess, and they love voting for them. And I, I can't believe it. It's really just shocking. She, she was one of the worst throughout Michigan. COVID is a weird it's a weird state um so you know i've been here for uh what is this so this is 20 this would be 22 so 12 years now um you know went to college here uh, stayed worked in the industry um you know i work a white collar job in michigan um and the, the the state is basically ran uh, by the major populist centers, and those major populist centers are either the automotive industry or the colleges. So, you know, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo have major colleges. You got Michigan State, Michigan uh, U of M, you know, so and then you got the entire automotive industry. I mean, go look into GM's relationship to the Biden administration, right? Ford put a VAX mandate in. Um, Stellantis is not that big, but you know, they've got a pretty good foothold. You've got Toyota and Nissan have places here. Volkswagen's got a place up in, in one of the local cities. 
the automotive industry is everywhere and the automotive industry is deep, deep, deep in with the investment banking industry. A um, lot of money coming from the, you know, the ESG held financials. Uh, it, there's, they have very specific, uh, you know, they have a lot of very specific social policies that they're going to push. And they've been hiring like crazy for the last few years, just importing, right? You're, typical right out of college young liberals yep. and they vote for this stuff i mean i am I, you know it's, it's funny i was uh working with another guy um for a long time actually and ran across him finally in the the buildings because everything's been remote for a few years and it was i was shocked that he had a prager u sticker on his laptop because that's like <laughs> fucking sacrilege yeah. in a white collar industry these days yeah that's a um, terrorist symbol yeah it, and so it's no surprise that Michigan went that way because that's the kind of people that they've imported. I think, I don't know, maybe you guys give your takes on this, but I think this midterms, because I, I don't know, I, I felt like it, there was going to be some sort of red wave. So the result is a little bit unexpected on my end. Um, but I feel like maybe thinking about it now mm-hmm. for a day and seeing kind of and hearing what you have to say about Michigan and seeing also what happened in Florida. Um, that was gone surprising. Solid, solidly yeah. red. And seeing, uh, you know, DeSantis flip Miami-Dade County the first time I think anybody's done something like that in 30 years in Mm Miami-Dade County. Um, I think there is an effect or aspect to this midterm election of people having moved since 2020. Yes. So people, let's say people from Michigan, some of them probably left and went to Florida. And and those people are probably now more inclined to vote for DeSantis or, or Red and vice versa. Perhaps some of the you know, liberals or the college students you were saying from Florida now went and worked in those industries in in Michigan. And that is kind of like hyper intensified that. And it just that's what happened. just so happened to be that way. Drawing the lines of civil war, you know, moving with your feet, (laughs) voting with your feet. Yeah, I mean, I can't deny the fact that my wife and I have been discussing whether we're going to stick around after this. uh, sorry to the, interrupt. The, the, I t- the prop two is the yeah. one that I think would killed it for us. I told everybody this morning, get out of New York while you still can. You know, I mean, we, we need the compound up in uh, New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, New Hampshire you know, didn't do great either. That's yeah, what no, I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. I was shocked, I was getting- although maybe I'm not shocked. Um, it, it's one of those scenarios where the Republicans, at least in this, I think it was the Senate, ran on just an awful candidate against the the Republicans ran an awful candidate against the Democrat, Don Bolduc, who's like a typical neocon warmonger, old school Republican that is not an America first person by any stretch of the imagination. Um, You know, he's not going to inspire any turnout or whatever. And there was actually a really good candidate for the libertarians in uh, New Hampshire. uh, Yeah, this is this is what stood out to me. Um, And I'm probably I know the New Hampshire libertarians are going to fucking hate me for saying this. Mark Victor dropped out of the race, brought up age of consent, did everything that the typical like, you know, pardon my French, autistic libertarian anarchist bullshit does hold two got two point two percent in his race. Kaufman got two percent. We're talking this is normalized for population by population. Mark Victor, who wasn't even in at the time, did better than Jeremy Kaufman, like. Not to say that the Free State Project isn't powerful and that it hasn't done a lot of great things, but that really struck me that there 
is probably some ground between the way that some of the old establishment libertarian wants to to run things, which Mark Victor was a bit more, you know, in the uh, let's say politicking side of the liberta- old libertarian party, and then the hyper dis- hyper divisive um, sort of message spreading, edgy New Hampshire libertarian party messaging. It like the numbers do show something very interesting. I think when we actually look at them, that maybe both strategies are missing something but it's not like we can just say this is successful this isn't successful and we got to throw it all away that really surprised me looking at michigan um mary busma who was our our gubernatorial candidate for the libertarian party who had no charisma barely ran a campaign like basically outside of the first two weeks didn't even campaign got a percent and so if we're talking in the numbers of like one, two percent outside of a very select few races like Georgia, the Herschel Walker situation mm-hmm. um, with uh, Chase. Corey Chase, 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 Chase yeah. Oliver, I think his name Chase is Oliver. There we go. Yeah, he, so um, in, that, in that in that scenario, he essentially has caused the runoff. The libertarian in yeah. Georgia caused the runoff. Definitely, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's just the numbers are still small and despite the free state project's power i was very surprised to see the numbers as as what they were um so you know i don't know to me that kind of indicates that there might be a big enough libertarian bent in a handful of other states it's not just new hampshire that has the people there to really mobilize because it looks to me like arizona's got it too i wholeheartedly agree since getting the education on libertarianism I think over the past several years, people are looking for a new option that, you know, they you might not like Trump, but you don't like being a progressive liberal. You know, these policies are so contrast. You're just looking for something new and something reasonable and being left the fuck alone. Sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Rand Paul, I shared it a couple of times today. Yeah. Uh, Had a great tweet. And uh, I think it's a lesson perhaps to be learned from the Trump people. And he said, every libertarian leaning Republican in Congress, we feature often on the on Liberty Tree, won their elections by double digits. And at least in my opinion, the best Republicans are like he's not perfect. But, you know, Paul uh, Thomas Massey, who's essentially one, you know, he's he almost is perfect, in my opinion. Um, He won easily. I think there's a lesson to be learned there. And there's been like this. this push lately from some conservatives like the Steven Crowder type and, and even like Alex Jones, like talking shit about libertarianism. Mm-hmm. I think um, Steven Crowder said that libertarianism is a preventative, not a curative. But I mean, like this essentially just completely refutes that the the, the people who won the Republicans who won mm-hmm. easily were the libertarian Republicans. Yeah. And we were talking before kind of the the old guard Republicans or maybe even the MAGA ones are the ones having kind of a hard time. So it's almost counter to to what a Steven Crowder was even saying. Yep, completely agree. The interesting thing about Colorado politics is it seems like everyone has a libertarian streak. So mm. Jared Polis, our, our incumbent governor, handled COVID more similar to how Republican governors did and to how libertarian governors did, because that's just this state. Also conservation, no one's going to say, I hate nature, uh, that you're just, you're just not gonna get elected here. So every, everyone says that, it's part of everyone's platform. Yeah, it seems Colorado, like Colorado has like a left state. lib sort of yeah. feeling to it. I was always surprised that Colorado was uh, left-leaning, 
Cause I just feel like it's such an open wide state. There's gotta be so much hunting and you know, you, well, you those guys things to, tend to lean to conservative. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, just the whole outdoors and nature. And it's not a, it's not a constitutional carry state, right? I don't think so. I don't, I'm not so. sure, but the I know there's gotta plenty go of guns out there. That's for sure. What was that, Mike? I said the crunchy's got to live somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Let me ask you guys, what did you think about what's going on in Arizona? I, I, going into this midterm elections, I thought Arizona was kind of like the key, you know, place or, or election to see. I, you know, I do like Carrie Lake and Blake Masters. There was Mark Victor and that whole scenario that occurred there. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit personally invested in that because kind of like the libertarian strategy at play, see how it affects things yeah. and works out. Um, what do you think of the polling machine malfunction thing that's going on there? You know, Chris Maricopa County, you know, Chris, we're talking the right. It's the same place, I believe, in 2020 that Trump was. I don't remember exactly what the issue was in 2020, but I remember the the whole, you know, big lie or whatever you want to call it thing had something to do with Maricopa County. You guys, maybe you guys can refresh my memory, but if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't let the supervisors oversee the counting of ballots. They were boarding up the windows when they were counting the ballots. There was Dropbox issues. There was a lot that went on. I don't remember it exactly either. So much happened in so many places. It's hard for me to remember what was where. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure, Mike, uh, how much you've heard about the Maricopa situation in the last few days. Um, Yeah, so... um, Best I can kind of, let's say, how do I summarize? My takeaway from it is the narrative, let's say the official narrative is that the machines were not reading. I think they had one machine go fully down in the morning and then they at one of the major polling locations and they had another machine, I think, only reading uh, either it was reading 25% errors or it was only reading it at 25% success. It was one or the other. Uh, but effectively, it was just, you know, the whole damn thing was going down. Um, and then it was the way that the election to me that what really stood out as bad was the way the election officials were handling it, um, more or less saying, well, if you don't if you don't want to use the machine, just give us your ballot. Right. Put it <laughs> in count put it, it later. In box three, I believe yeah. I yeah, was thinking about that comment, that that comment that they made. I saw the video of that. And, and you know, thinking back to that same morning of me casting my ballot. It's, it's really just preposterous because when you ha- when you're given your ballot, at least in Connecticut, I, I get my ballot, I fill it out. It, there's no identifier in any way whatsoever that that is mine or anything like that. It's essentially like a untraceable <laughs> piece of paper. And if mine were to get counted or not, how would I have any proof that that occurred if I just leave it on a box mm-hmm. somewhere? Again, I, I don't even know if doing it the actual way and putting it into the machine actually does count or not. But at least I know like I physically had it in my hand and put it in there. I mean, to like myself and it went into the machine. I saw it with my own two eyes, but to propose, you know, yeah, just leave it in this thing and we'll do it later. And trust you. us and trust us when they're, when it's a not verifiable thing to tie back to you in any way whatsoever. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I just find On that insane. Top to of aspect. all the issues that took place there in 2020 to, to, Forget if you're an election denier or not. There was issues in that area, in that county in 2020. And to be caught with your pants down on the morning of the midterms. (laughs) I mean, can we get any more suspicious? I don't think they had room 
for this to happen there. Like if no, you know, they leading did. up it to had this, to go flawlessly. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the Democrats are supposed to be trying to win the MAGA crowds trust back in the election system or just, you know, I guess. Right. And everything they said, everything that's happened, it's it's not in, it's not like instilling any any confidence in the system. I, I don't ex- I don't understand how. Again, I, I'm not a Trump election denier or anything like that, but I just I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how you're trying to instill confidence in the system. Everything you've said has done the complete opposite. And now this is this is this has occurred on top of that. I don't think they are. I don't think they are trying to restore the this, uh, you know, the sense of uh, democracy or the faith in democracy that I, in 2020, for a lot of people that kind of, let's say, on the political right or, or more on the libertarian bent, uh, the, the faith in the system has disappeared entirely. I don't think that you can win that back. Um, I don't think they care. I mean, just exactly just seeing politicians as this is this is state level this isn't even like on a federal level it once you've become the enemy you know that you're the bad guys you, like i don't actually care what you think because you are evil uh, yeah. they wouldn't use those words um but that that's how they're they're acting like here's all the shenanigans we can pull fully legally also t- as an aside on the uh even if you had something that could trace uh would you trust it so uh, the envelope in colorado with mail and that's the the trace one so i'll get a, uh, an email when it's in the mail uh when it's been picked up in the mail and when it's been counted but if you don't trust the system like okay yeah the the envelope right. showed up at the facility yeah, it's just an email right it, yeah it is it is an email um now i am more on the trust the system side of things but i know that i'm in the the minority here i had i promised i was going somewhere and i totally lost where it was i think that was Happens one of my main time. points but that just yeah. it's gone i i agree yeah. with uh mike g that i don't think they're trying to regain our trust i'm gonna take a page out of skaggs's book i think this is the new election psyop the new normal is you're you're going to wait for the results you're going to wait as long as we tell you this is how elections go from now on because you could say january 6 was a result of the election that's fine but you know we we didn't burn any cities down nobody you know they they weren't stringing anybody up on you know the capitol lawn so the repercussions of whatever took place on in 2020 wasn't that severe. It was one bad day. So now here we are two years later and there's, there's a new normal, there's a new normal to everything, you know, the new normal to your health, the new normal to vaccines. Now the new normal to the election. And I think they're starting to program the sheep to believe this is how the elections are supposed to be done. AOC did say in a tweet yesterday, the day before that this is normal, that the ballots uh, you know, won't be counted or you won't know who won the same day. She did mm-hmm. say that. Um, yet no, it's not. It's not. It normal. hasn't. Right. Uh, I don't how many elections have there been since, uh, right. since before 2016? You know, going back 200 some odd years. Yes. Many, you know, they all thousands. were decided all right. decided that night. And now we have a new normal for it. That in itself is suspicious. Yeah, I, I just find it so interesting. You know, again, being in Maricopa County in Arizona, same place I had problems last time. I, I've, 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 in my heart, I felt Carrie Lake was going to completely blow this one out of the water uh, against Katie Hobbs, who didn't do anything. Just essentially did what Biden hid. did and stayed in the basement. Yeah, hid. 
Um, didn't show up to the debate. Didn't poll well. Carrie Lake had energy, had a really good social media team. And at the moment, only 67% of the votes are in, but Carrie Lake is still down by a little bit less than a percent. She has made a comeback of, as Morris com- mm-hmm. came in, but I was expecting this to be a blowout. Similar, I didn't think Masters would have been a blowout. I, th- I thought he was going to win, but it'd be closer. Um, but this has not gone the way I thought it did. I mean, the whole thing didn't. But because there's, this one especially. there's something about that county that the left cannot give up, you know, and it just it brings up so many questions like it's of all the places. First, we have a problem with the machines. The media has completely hated Carrie Lake the entire time. You know, I mean, they've demonized her completely. She's taking the combat now of Trump, you know, yeah. act or stance I mean, it, against them as well. But and she probably did blow her out, but we can't allow that to happen. So we got to wait a few days. What do you guys think? I would disagree with you a little bit on this because Mike and I were talking about this earlier. Um, how do I say? I don't think at this point, and and, and I know Mike uh, had, had said something a little bit earlier to me that I think you said since like what Bush carry. Bush, at least since like since every election I can remember, what was your original comment was a, you know, Democrat tactic of oppose rather than here's what we're for. And so mm-hmm. Bush, Kerry, uh, Obama, Bush, or sorry, Obama, McCain, there's very much like, we are opposing you. Like, you know, here's these Bush policies we oppose. We're not going to do that. Uh, and that was the platform. Right. Yes. It's, and that's exactly why I don't even know necessarily. Like, I think what's happened in Maricopa is fucking weird, but I saw it in Michigan. We've seen it like I said, on the, the MAGA candidates that have ran in a lot of areas, it's where the media attention occurred. The Democrat response was severe to a degree that it didn't matter if, I mean, f- for fuck's sake, they elected Fetterman. <laughs> the dude <laughs> is both, not mentally both okay. people sucked, man. But, but Pennsylvania the, was screwed regardless. But yeah, he, he's, Fetterman's not okay. No, he's yeah. not. Dude, dude's he's not legitimately a stroke well. victim. Yeah. Like, he he needs to recover. Dude needs to take care of himself. His his fucking family, his wife needs to be taking care of him. He needs to be at home resting, not bumbling through interviews. And hello, they elected literally somebody that actually is having trouble speaking. They elected a, a guy that honestly, I don't think he knows where he fucking is in the White House half the time. They mobilized against Carrie Lake. Didn't give a shit if it was Katie Hobbs. You could have ran a, a turd sandwich. Right. We're, we're in South Park right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's, <laughs> I think that's what the thing that the right is missing. And a lot of people are missing is they're seeing what's occurred. They're, they're thinking of it from their frame. The conservative side has a tendency to struggle to think outside of their own mm-hmm. frame of, of perspective. They're, they vote for people because they want, that policy they want to mobilize for that reason the left has a a significant power to mobilize against an idea they don't stand for shit anymore at the current moment is they stand against the against this regime that they 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 see on the right yeah yeah and so very it's very possible yeah you're right katie Hobbs. there's nothing that she was a wet noodle she had no personality whatever but carrie lake was in the was was there she's the MAGA candidate so we have to oppose her 
I think what you're saying is definitely there's there's merit to it. And I think it kind of ties into my whole theory of like the PSYOP, the cult, right? Essentially, they've made this way to like condition people to believe whatever it is they're pointed at. Like they point them in a certain direction. That's the bad guy. Go and oppose it all kind of ties into that. So it's interesting. I, I think there definitely is something to that. And it's kind of like I was a little bit down this morning because I feel like, damn it, I thought perhaps enough people had gotten red pilled after the COVID regime and the economy and whatnot that people were just like, OK, uh, especially at least in our own cir- uh, sh- social circles, Cap, um, like a lot more people, I feel like are, are way more critical after COVID just in general yeah. of everything. Perhaps we're we're in some of an echo chamber in actual real life as well perhaps so that's why i was a little deal bit with the same people at work every day you're not out on the street yeah damn it there's more npcs than i thought there are yeah. <laughs> i guess in real life yeah, yeah i agree mike mike hey, what, what is your thoughts on this i mean you, you know you still kind of are identifying as a democrat so I, what is your yeah. thought on that i'm like the conditioning of people to just oppose, oppose. rather than stand for something uh, you know like the we had this like, you know, the 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 progressive left is always supposed to have been supposed to have been kind of an anti-war movement. They don't even stand for that anymore. They, they, they caved within a day two weeks ago when they when they had a, a single mm. anti-war thought when they wrote that letter. Uh, what's mm. your thoughts on that? I, I, I just I want to get into your mind. Like, how do you still yeah. view yourself as a Democrat when they've changed so much? At least the world. Well, I mean, it, it's primarily because I don't like the Republican Party. So like, it's like, see, see exactly. This is exactly what we're talking about is like, it's an opposition to, I, I just hate negative political ads. So like, I'm also bringing that in. Um, It's like, maybe we should have a law where if you say something untrue, the opposite just gets to air for free in your place on your dime. Like that would be great. Um, Never would never would pass. But so I, I already didn't like that dynamic and it was it was strong like i just everything goes straight to the trash like if it comes in the mail i've got great filters on on email and whatnot (laughs) but i still noticed it like if 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 it can slip through still so i think it's lazy but it's effective like that's playing to the lowest common denominator oh for sure and like can you imagine if we ran ads like just normal ads that way and so it's, you know, like the, the Ford ad is just about, you know, why Toyota Shitting sucks. On yeah. Chevy. Yeah. <laughs> you might have just that's unlocked pretty much a, Ford Chevy ads. a brand new <laughs> revolutionary marketing strategy, perhaps. Yeah. Um, you know, that is kind of exactly the race that uh, Warnock and um, and Herschel Walker ran against each other. Like there was zero positivity to oh, anything God. that had to do with them. They was just slinging shit. You know, with trebuchets across the the wall at each other. That's all. There's it was. zero positive about them. You, no, that is true. That is true. But it, it's just it's watching that on Twitter. Was pathetic. I'm, I'm glad well, that it got spoiled for them, and they have well, to go into a runoff now, and everybody could panic. Good, fuck them both. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I was listening to it wasn't even a podcast related to politics, but someone mentioned that you you what you optimize for is the optics of it, not outcomes. So it's like bring me a problem problems I can do something with. Don't bring me a solution. You know, as a politician, what am I going to do with that? If I implement it and it doesn't work, then people are mad at me. But if I have a problem, I can mobilize people to overcome the problem. So I think that's just at play for sure. But like, then you can make the problem as the other person. So 
let's use it. It sounds great. Although, uh, as you mentioned earlier, like the inflation could be the problem that you mobilize people against. So, and then another tangent, which my brain just does some of the time, Martin Luther King didn't give the, I have a plan speech. No one would, no one would mobilize behind that. Right. I have a dream. Point. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> right. You need to give Fuck. people hope, right? Like a message is essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something the libertarian party is missing. Um, oh, their messaging. Don't even. I've yeah, told them that's to your face. biggest Just, criticism of it. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Are you talking about the new, like the new libertarian party messaging or or the historically, old? historically, yeah, historically, it's it. just their marketing's garbage. The new marketing isn't bad, but it's also in your face. And the more brash, you know, the more uh, aggressive you are, people are sensitive just in general. This is the weakest people have ever been. And if Trump's <laughs> offending you, the shit the Libertarian Party is also going to offend you. And it's still just another shitty marketing ploy. I get they're trying to make a splash, but I don't know if they're really going about it 100% correct. It's like I said, you know, at the very beginning, one of the things that spawned the podcast was the fact that Liberty Twitter is one giant fucking circle jerk. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of guys on Liberty Twitter, but it oh, is. Yeah, I yeah, love them. Yeah. I participate in it, too. I, I think yeah. I told Jesse Kelly sucks today or Will Chamberlain. He sucks today. Um, like I participate in the same like, you know, stupid shit slinging. But and actually, I was uh, you know, I talked to my wife about that because I had like I had two two totally opposite tweets. I did it on purpose. Um, Will Chamberlain said something like, how did we lose to Fetterman? And I just I think I quote tweeted him and just said, because you suck. Um, <laughs> and then like on the Michigan thing, you know, it, it basically said like an actual thoughtful analysis, right, that the Michigan GOP lost because they ran a whole campaign on abortion. It's not a winning issue right now. So you lost your fucking campaign. Good job, assholes. Um, like, you know, and I didn't. I, but. The, the tweet itself was was pretty calm got like three likes on that one and i got like eight on the will chamberlain like <laughs> shit and it's like you know it's reality is that the social media landscape which is where most of libertarian stuff is occurring because it's very small communities i mean we're talking right two percent new in new hampshire two percent right. in arizona you don't run into a lot of libertarians and so a lot of the interaction occurs online and online culture is meme culture so reality is man you're gonna end up just messaging to a very specific subset of the audience and i think that's something that they're like it, it works very well if you're trying to recruit a specific subset and i think they believe that there's enough people out there who want that out of politics after the midterms i'm a little shakier on whether i believe in that strategy or not yeah, I agree. Definitely. I guess you could say like the Mises caucus strategy of, of the shit posting. Um, mm -hmm. we, we now kind of have like a case study or an example. And it didn't you know, I was expecting at least New Hampshire to do very well. Jeremy Kaufman to do very well. So this is, in a sense, uh, at least a, a tiny fail in that strategy. It's it's, you know, maybe mm -hmm. we do need to reassess or think about it I don't, I don't know it is interesting definitely they need to get their shit together i've said it yeah what does that mean times. though what does that mean though they, they have to yes, figure yes, out a... so do the republicans so does everybody else in the country right so does new york, the state, republicans new york city and the democrats have a platform and a voice <laughs> there needs to be a working 
working towards a, a platform where they're heard, where they have a following. They need a face. They need a leader. They need like a Dave Smith to be out there causing trouble like Trump is, you know, where where Dave Smith becomes a household name. They don't have this mm-hmm. big household name to follow. <laughs> You I've know, heard of him until today, so just I, I, my, I'm sure you've mentioned it still before. Thinks, I'm sure my I father have. still thinks libertarians are liberals. He still thinks it's just a different name for Democrat. <laughs> I mean, that people there's not a big educational yeah. source for the party. It's you know, I think at this point, one of the things I know the Libertarian Party is planning to do. So I am act, I am semi active in my state party, um, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm state uh, mostly I'm active within the Mises Caucus within my party. So I'm. You know, I am involved with uh, the uh, the libertarians. Um, and, and so, you know, I do see some of the the stuff that they're doing. And right now, I think their biggest thing that they need to do. And, and I know they're I, I'm a, from what I've heard. This is the plan more or less is to start focusing more on local level elections. Right. They recognize we don't we can't win at the national level. We're not part of the duopoly. And I, I think that's smart. They continue to do that it should work for him. So I know someone in our party, um, I believe is running for secretary of state. I got like 20% of the vote wow. for as a libertarian. Um, yeah, I actually did really good. Um, and he said uh, his, his basically his entire campaign run was he talked to some friends and he changed his handle on Twitter to candidate for secretary of state. <laughs> um, like, you know, it wasn't like he ran a huge thing. Um, Chase, right. He said, I think his campaign was $10,000 and he got, and he spoiled the Georgia election. Mm-hmm. There is a strategy to be had there, but it, it's not the, the big sexy strategy that you get out of the, um, the typical stuff that the media focuses on. And frankly, if libertarians want to be effective, they need to get out and start talking to business owners. They need to start communicating with the people in the community and finding out what is it that they're hurting for. And then in a lot of cases, if it's, well, I need more money, start opening them up to to different ways of thinking. It's not, um, you know, I need more money, so I need a subsidy. It's, right. I need more I'm money, for stop taking all my fucking money. taxes. Yeah. Like, right. Um, because that takes me actually back to, it's interesting because you, uh, being a rehabilitated Bernie bro, um, (laughs) you know, I used to, I used to a long time ago be okay with the idea of a single payer healthcare system. I actually thought maybe, you know what? Okay, whatever. Maybe it's not perfect, but what we have right now is absolutely dog shit. Um, and it was talking to a libertarian. Um, who unfortunately now he's no longer a libertarian. He's more, uh, pra- he's more of a, a praxian, um, sort of more hoppy, hoppian side mm-hmm. of things. Um, but <clears throat> you know, he sat me down and basically ran me through. Well, have, do you know what Obamacare did? Do you know about how they set fixed profit, uh, fixed profit uh, percentages through reinvestment requirements and things like that? And actually ran me through. Hey, here's how the government walked in and completely destroyed health insurance and that was one of my turning point moments was probably about four or five years ago where i went oh shit so actually the problem is too much involvement the problem is because you know being in the in the kind of job that i have i've seen plenty of times where people had a really nice idea and it works in theory it sounds nice in theory and then they implement it and then everything breaks that's government except you have to convince a bunch of people to change it every time you screw something up 
and it's got a whole bunch of bureaucracy on top of it. That's what, but the Libertarian Party, they need to get in there and they need to be talking to people and they need to teach and educate and discuss. And it can't happen at the national level. It has to happen at the local level. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, locals, uh, that's kind of how I was turned on to it by kind of like one-on-one uh, explain those uh, ideas of, um, you know, even uh, um, around, you know, single payer healthcare. We've been talking a little bit about that. You know, I was a Bernie bro, so I was a big proponent of that. The pandemic really changed my mind just because of people's behavior and kind of seeing how people become around something like that. You know, I used to think, hey, it's a great idea that the government should just run the health. This was our original argument, Chris, right? Yep. The government should, you know, it's it's been proven to be cheaper, more cost effective. And let's say Canada or whatever, the government will just take care of everything and you don't have to but worry about it. can't be trusted. Right. But then a, a situation like the pandemic occurs and you see human nature bleed through. We, sh- you know, if you don't do what we want, well, we shouldn't cover your insurance. Your insurance shouldn't cover you. Imagine you should if, go to jail. Right. You should go to jail or whatever. Amnesty. Now, imagine if you gave those people the power o- over control of all the healthcare system. You know, they'll put you on a death panel or something like that. Right. Because you can do what they want or you'll lose your insurance. So that really changed my perspective mm-hmm. in, in a big way on that one issue, at least. It's Mike, interesting that you brought up the uh, sort of the one-on-one conversation as well, because Mike and I have had actually it's a constant theme that seems to be continually coming back mm-hmm. when we talk about stuff is or, or like early, early on, we did a podcast. I think it was titled um, Personal Influence and Something of the Truth because it was uh, mean the means of propagating the truth. It's an essay by uh, Cardinal Newman, who is an English uh, Catholic priest in 18 something. Interesting. Yeah. And um, one of the major themes that it kind of got through is, you know, discussing how do we approach, uh, specifically in this case, right, the means of propagating the truth, referring to the truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, it, religion is a pretty constant theme that we come back to because, right, I am, I am a, we're not going to get into that, but uh, it's like suffice to say easiest right i'm not a catholic i'm not christian mike's a catholic um so we talk about religion a lot and and it sort of started there but we realized during the the essay and talking about it that a lot of the points it's making is that effectively to really get to a point where you can break down the walls and convince somebody of something you have to have the one-on-one you have to actually communicate and it is that personal influence the fact that they know you and that they trust you that ultimately allows you to convince them of something that is not within their current worldview. And that's absolutely so powerful and people don't get it because the, a lot of modern politics is just lit drops and like signing flyers and shit. I can, if I can do the mic drop that leaves my opponents, uh, where they can't respond, then I, that I win. Um, one, one last thought, I'm going to have to go eat dinner soon because I'm (laughs) two hours behind you guys. Um, so related to that personal influence, so Aristotle said that there's three ways that an argument uh, can be effective, and generally you need all three. It's the logic, the emotions, and then the person. If you don't trust the person, the other two can be spot on, and you and you'll ignore it. So, it's like a problem that. with Trump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people don't like the person, so the logic gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you want to do uh, some tweets of the week? Or? Yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up here in a few since you got to go. I mean, if you have to go, it's all, it's all right, no worries. But yeah, I might just drop off if that's okay. Yeah, no worries, bro. Thank you for uh, joining us. It was interesting. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
So, Mike, we do a uh, we'll we'll wrap it up with this. We do a little segment called Tweets of the Week, and we right. uh, we'll just pick like random tweets that are either crazy, good, or just interesting, funny, outrageous, yeah, outrageous. Okay. It could be whatever. We just kind of you know, spitball it. So, um, let's start here, and I know what this one is. We're gonna stick with a theme that we've been on lately, Chris. Mm-hmm. This is from Carnivore Aurelius. <laughs> Damn! Imagine being a hunter gatherer. Hunting just three hours a day, dancing around the fire, sleeping in nature, saying, ooh, ah, ah, sunning your genitals wherever, not knowing what the stars are, worshiping gods, no job, taxes, seed oils, traffic, microplastics, just vibes, just vibes, he means. This this is like a theme I've been seeing lately yep. on Twitter. I don't know why these are like sticking out to me or I'm starting to see these, but these people who just think like the Paleolithic era of hunter gatherer humans was so easy. You just <laughs> the the deer, like I said a couple weeks ago, Chris, the deer they just jumped into your fire yeah, pit and cooked themselves. themselves. Yeah, it's it's so easy. I'm you actually ever... going hunting tomorrow. It's yeah. it's not. It's very fucking hard, and it's this weird thing with people. They just. They don't understand. They don't know where their food comes from. You ever play the Oregon Trail? I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) so you could just be traveling and your wife would die because she drank from a dirty puddle. Right. Your son could die because he was bit by a snake. These hunter gatherers were up against tremendous odds. Taxes was the least of their worries. Being stalked by a pack of wolves was their concern of the day. You're not sunning your genitals wherever you're looking over your shoulder. You need to find food 24 seven. You need to find medicine. It's oh, my God. There, There's no depth to what they actually think, you know, the Paleolithic age went through. Well, there's something there's something in there uh, that gets at why we are in the state we are right now with respect to authoritarian governments. It's you you got at it when you said the taxes were the least of their concerns. Yeah, exactly. We traded comfort progressively, yeah. slowly over time. We traded comfort for freedom. And this it's a great question. What level of this are you willing to accept if it means you have to let somebody rule over you? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Right. Um, I think the answer to that question is a lot. Uh, people will trade all of their freedom for comfort, at, you know, maybe at this point. Um, yep. You know, I just think hunting and doing outdoor stuff is great because it kind of gives you a little taste of how hard, uh, you know, real life is or reality yep. or nature is. And they will give you a good perspective then on, you know, appreciating society and medicine and food and the supermarket and life in general. And even just look at the tools that we have now. Look at your rifle. Look at your compound bow. Look at the layers that are in your hunting jacket and in your hunting hat. These people had a bow that was made out of a stick and a string, (laughs) and they were using an old deer uh, pelt to keep them warm. There was nothing. You know, you think they had, you know, sub-zero boots, the muck boots that we have? Right. No. Right. You know, they didn't have tree stands. Yeah. Right. That was part of my point. I'm like, I spent eight hours up in a tree during the freezing cold winter months for 10, 10 times a year. And if everything goes right, I get one to two deer. Like you underestimate how hard it is to do that. That's with a tree stand, a yeah. state of the art compound bow. Like you said, binoculars, a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think people should get more involved in nature. Right. And see how it is. It'll give you a little bit more appreciation or learn what a fucking farm does. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's skip over. You got one cap. I yep. used yours last week, so 
We got this one go. good one now. This one right before we got on. I've stayed off of social media. I've been extremely busy in my personal life and just what was coming out of social media the past few days, mind numbing. So <laughs> President Biden, we lost fewer seats in the House of Representatives than any Democratic president's first midterm election in the last 40 years. And we had the best midterms for governors since 1986. The American people spoke. Bro, you are losing the fucking house. How can you even count, like present this garbage to us? You're going to lose the house. And this is fuck, man. Come on. This is right. Before we started recording. This is at 651 oh p.m. Oh, my God. I can't. He what? How it's can you? You are losing real. the house, bro. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's just straight up admitting it. Every Democrat president has lost the fucking house, but we didn't do it as bad. Right. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> his goal. We didn't the, do it as shitty as the it's, rest. It's literally exactly what the Democrats are doing right now. It's like the, the premise here. It's a negative premise, but spun as a positive. It, it's really you know just, what's you know what this is really people are going to people people. I'm sorry, man. We were talking about NBC's. Yeah. People are going to gobble this shit up. Oh, I know. Seventy eight thousand likes. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say next, because you know what's going to happen now. This is what it's setting up. They're acting like they're winning. So then when the the House turns Republican, everybody's going to be shocked. And then anything that people don't like, well, well, we lost the House. It's all, you know, gas will go back up. Oh, the Republicans took the House. You see what happens? It's It's all setting them up to surprise these NPCs. Maybe. That's a good point. All right. I forgot what I picked my last one as. Let's see. It's, it's Dash Dabrowski. It's got to be good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If Charles Manson hadn't been prosecuted for conspiracy to commit murder, he would have recruited more women, brainwashed them, and sent them to kill again. If Trump isn't prosecuted, he will recruit more <laughs> followers, brainwash them, and send them to overthrow the government again. How do you like? How do you sit up at night like? clenching your legs up against you rocking back and forth just oh, the mean orange man he's gonna get us all the mean orange man you know i'm I, gonna it, dash i'm gonna guess on the left right you know the irony oh yeah the irony oh, yeah. is that they're creating npcs brainwashing people you know in a sense controlling them up is down down is up yeah right but he's right. over here saying that it's the other side doing it look you know i don't like trump but it's just well it's know. Tim Pool, right? He's covered it. God knows how many times where he said it, that there's a whole industry worth of journalists and personalities that made their entire career off of shitting on Trump. Yeah. 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 How do you move on from that where your entire content strategy was going after one well, dude? You, you wait till gone. next Monday and he announces he's going to run for president You're back in business. Yeah. yeah. And CNN <laughs> is going to be back on top, baby. Yeah, we talk about them too much. The grifters, especially on Twitter, you know, the Joe for jurors, the Brooklyn dad. I mean, those people are they're not authentic takes. No. They're Speaking just yeah. of grifters. What do you guys think of the uh, Ben Shapiro going after Candace Owens on Twitter? Um, like that whole. Are you familiar with that whole thing? She got fired, right? He fired her. From, Did he? Yeah. I didn't catch that. He got fired um, yesterday on election day because I oh, guess Jesus. she's on Talking the side the of Kanye, people. I guess, in some yeah. aspect. I think when it comes to, you know, his faith and uh, Israel and stuff like that, I think Ben Shapiro yeah. is extremely sensitive and he becomes, you know, the worst of what he, you know, claims other he people against. 
Yes, right. Something like that. Yeah. He's a right wing grifter. I don't know if he's a grifter. I think it just when it comes to that one issue, which is his identity, he becomes he becomes that or it's he's just he's a maybe. snowflake when it comes to that. I, I mean, maybe maybe yeah. I'm just cynical. <laughs> yeah, no, I am very cynical of him. Definitely. I mean, I you know, he does make good points sometimes. I think he's actually a pretty intelligent person. I, I listened to him a little bit on Lex Friedman. Uh, his podcast recently was talking about Kanye West and official thing, but there is, yeah, it, I find it bizarre when someone who seems to be so strongly rooted in like critical thinking and just intelligent then has such like a chink in their armor that doesn't make any sense. It is yeah. just weird. That's what he has. That's how he was on COVID though, too. Yes, that's true. Was, that is true. very pro vaccine. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, actually, that reminds me. There's a handful of personalities. Maybe I should ignore everything Cernovich says because I think he was pro-vaccine too. I'll go back yeah. and retract my earliest comments. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> All so, right. Any other thoughts for Cap before we uh, wrap it up? I'm ready to go. You Mike, boys. Uh, plug the show again. Definitely. Thank you for uh, joining us. It was fun. It was interesting. Yes, it was yeah, great. For sure. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so Fundamental Opposites, Fundies Podcast on Twitter um potentially the same name on instagram just go to the twitter there's a link tree it's easier to to get to everything we're on uh, all the major rss feeds and uh eventually we'll be getting some stuff out video content wise which i'm not going to go on youtube i'm not going down that cesspool so uh probably just uh, don't blame me rumble and odyssey fair enough all right well doom nation it's been another great exciting episode i hope you guys aren't too upset about the midterm results make sure you like share and subscribe adios